Welcome back to Nothing Even Matters with Colby and Ken. Hello, everybody. Hello. How was the Duke game? It was so fun. So fun. What um what phase were you? I phase was one? phase two, oh, that's but right. I was four rows from the top. Oh wow. Yeah. Four rows from the top as in like the two hundreds? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's how late well I mean, you know I hate how they do it. Okay, for those who don't go to UNC or listening, they fill up basically by sections. So even if you're phase two, phase three might get a better seat than right. you if the section's not full. Yeah, that that's my sense. big pet peeve is that when you go up there, they're like they make you go all the way to the top. Yes, I hate that. Because I was phase four. Not that phase four is like, but phase five people had better seats than me because I was uh-huh. the last Yeah, row. phase three had better than me. Yes. And I'm like, this is pointless. But it was a really fun game. It was really fun. I loved the power walk to Franklin. I didn't yes. rush. Franklin Street for a minute was kind of giving Astro World a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time's the best time. And then after that, they all kind yeah, of go downhill. Get, they get they decrease in quality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if when, when we rush again, I don't think I'll be mm-hmm. nearly as excited. I was there for like five minutes and then went home. Yeah. I got my pictures. It was one point where was so crowded and i just like looked at my friend i was with olivia and we just like a tear went down our face because people like were pushing <laughs> and like so a person true. fell and got trampled yeah and i was like i was just so overwhelmed and so we like went into like the like not crowd the yeah. open area and then it was nice you really have to stand your ground you and push have, you have to push it's like new york's worst nightmare it's yeah. terrible but it was really fun and thank you jesus we won yeah anti-devil around here yes um i have a question today for you and okay. we can get into it What's something that no matter how hard you try to practice or whatever, you will just never be good at? Braiding my hair. Oh. I, the number of times I've sat in front of my mirror and tried to French braid my hair is ridiculous. Can you do a standard, like, three I can, braid? like, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't look good. Okay. You know, yeah. it, it just is awkward. Yeah. But I, it's so hard. And then, you know, you watch the videos and they're like, try this easy method. Yeah. And all the comments are like, it's not easy. It's not easy. I, that's one, that's a good one. I'm never going to be a hair person. Mm-mm. I think it's jump rope. I just mm. can't jump rope. And like, I, I don't care how many times I, my eye coordination, I'll never be able to do yeah. the full swing. It'll always just fall and not be cute. Um, if anyone wants to teach me how, that's fine. I just will be pointless. Yeah. Um, Somebody teach me how to braid my hair. But this is the one thing that you just will never I get. <laughs> it's got to be something you just can't get. I think actually people have tried and it didn't work. It's one of the, you know, you can't do it all. No, you can't. And braiding Stay is, humble. Yeah. <laughs> And Brittany's not essential. At least no. it's not like you can't do a ponytail. I, I saw. <laughs> I used to not be able to do that. <laughs> I am not kidding. What? I couldn't put my hair up in a ponytail until like what? senior year of high school. Cool. I like I could put it out, but it looked horrible. How? Okay. I ponytail? don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't get well, maybe the brush for a braid. I couldn't get the brush and the flip and like keeping it all up at once. Wow. It was, and I couldn't twist. This is really embarrassing. I probably shouldn't. Maybe it's just the hand coordination. I couldn't like twist the hair tie right wow yeah so what did you just do my mom did it oh was that was her hair okay that makes sense i was like is your hair down every day of your life no okay well maybe right so you have time for braids you've just right. been doing plenty over three years yeah. four years yeah <laughs> anyways today's episode is going to be talking about living self-righteously versus set apart which is something that as christians can be hard to like discern the line of am i doing this for me or am i doing this for god and so we're just here to chat and yeah. talk about it yeah you well i think first, first we should maybe define or try to define what each thing means, like what it means to be self-righteous and what you want to be doing by being set apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to define first? You want me to define? Which one are we defining first? Self-righteousness? Yeah. Sure. We'll end on a good note. Okay. What do you think of when you think of self-righteousness? What comes to mind? I think of doing things to make yourself seem better to other people. That's something that yeah. comes to my mind. 
I think the same thing, even legit, legitimately just believing that you're better. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where you're living, okay, well, self, assuming that you are even righteous to begin with, there is no one righteous, no, not right. one. So I think it's just living a life of like pride or like this elevated status above everyone else, mm-hmm. even if you don't believe it. But sometimes I do think people mm-hmm. actually believe they're genuinely better than everyone else. And not that you're not better than everyone else. Sometimes people have different skills. Like some people are really great at jump rope. Right. I'm not. Whatever. Or there's, sorry, didn't mean to catch you off. There's also a difference between thinking you know something that's right and being like, well, this is right and that's wrong. I think that's different too. Yeah. Of like someone says something, you're like, oh, that's just not right. You know, that, I think that's different. It is different. And kind of the refusal to engage in ideas in general mm-hmm. can sometimes be a trait of self-righteousness. But yeah, I think it's one of those things where you just believe that you're elevated or um, in a way that's different. Everyone, It's not elevated because you're based, like you're rooted in the spirit. It's elevated because of right, yourself. because of you, what yeah, you've done. exactly. Versus yeah. being set apart, in my opinion, is when God has set you apart, which is why I always think like this term being set apart is great, but scripture says we are set apart and the next part is for a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not just being set apart for being set apart's sake. We are actually set apart because God has a purpose for us. He doesn't just call us a solitude just to be mm-hmm. alone. Um, there's a scripture that says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its salt how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden." And this scripture, to me, kind of helps to define being set apart of almost the alternative. Like thinking about being set apart, thinking about kind of helps if you think about the alternative of like what happens when you lose your purpose like mm-hmm. then you're no good there's no there's nothing left for you to be thrown out and cast out but because we are with Christ and Christ is working through us he is shining his light through us that we are we can be restored in him so that's kind of what I think of self being set apart is Christ has set you apart and then for a purpose yeah I think the main difference is just what you're focused on like if you're focused on you you're probably going to be living more self-righteously but mm-hmm. if you're focused on Christ then you can't really think about yourself all the time because you realize how much you need God. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's definitely a reliance on him. Humility, I guess. Very much so. A humility, a reliance on him, and then understanding that it's not by your own accord or by your own power. There's another mm-hmm. scripture, Exodus 19, 5 through 6, that says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure possession among all the people, for all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Not this is like, what, girl, what are you talking about being set apart? I think this is just really such a beautiful truth that Christ has spoken over us and God has spoken over us that when we obey his voice, then we will be tre- treasured in keeping our covenant so that because all of the earth is his and then we will become a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Like it's an order of operation sort of thing. Like yeah. when we submit to him in that obedience and honor his covenant, then we will be set apart. And then we will inherit all that he has for us, the good things. Like it's like a series of events that kind of happen when you begin this journey of becoming set apart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about, what do you think about kind of discovering that purpose and being set apart? Yeah, I think that um, when you're like trying to be set apart, or I guess when you like want to obey God, you know, like the spirit prompts you to want to obey God, you want to do good things, but then I think sometimes I'm kind of forgetting your question, but sometimes you do want to do good things so that other people know you get, do good things. Um, and it kind of in the moment might make you feel better because you're like, oh, I've been doing this, this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, but why? Or like, 
what does that do for you? Because yeah. it doesn't save you. Um, so I think it's, I don't remember what your question was, but it, I think it comes down to your heart and why you're doing certain things. Definitely comes down to checking where your heart's at, checking why you want, why you feel the way you feel. I think that being set apart is not necessarily as much of a conscious choice as much as it is. Okay. It is, I'm trying to say, it's not so much actions as it is a deliberate allowing the spirit to yeah. use you. I think that when you're living self-righteously, it is a checklist. It's a mm-hmm. set of things that you have to do or that you have to appear to be doing that will kind of make you appear to be elevated or that you actually do think you're elevated from the world. And it, when people think about judgment and condemnation, that does kind of come from a place of self-righteousness versus a, the conscious decision to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you where you see your depravity. You recognize mm-hmm. your shortcomings. You really recognize, no, there is... I am probably the worst of these, the least of these. Mm-hmm. I am no better than anyone else. And that is why God is setting me apart and refining me and sanctifying me in his word. And so that is why I'm able to be like, hey, let's hold each other accountable. This is something I'm struggling with. What are you struggling with? Let's be there for one. Like that's how you can kind of even enhance your own testimony and the ministry of being that light on the light of the world when you check is this like an action or is this rooted in faith? And I think yeah. that also comes the checklist in general. All of these things that you have to tick off comes back to this kind of belief that salvation is an act of our own, right. too. Um, and it's not. It's yeah. a free gift that we could never deserve to receive. And so when you realize that God has set you apart and you would never, you could never deserve it, it does bring you back to a place of humility versus, oh, look at me. And not to get on a tangent, but I really do think that social media has played a role in this, too, because everyone can look at you now. Everyone has to take a picture of their quiet time and their Bible word yeah. every single day. And everyone, and I, I love when people do share what they're learning. It's the encouraging sometimes yeah, th- when I need like the encouragement to go do that. Yeah. Here we are. Sorry. Here we are just talking on the podcast about what God's teaching us. Like yeah. that's not a look at me thing. This is a, but everything cannot have, to, it doesn't have to be documented all the time of mm-hmm. every time it's be tears and crying or it can almost get into this feeling of comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're comparing yourself to self-righteous people, because I remember that I was at Passion, and I liked Passion a lot, but I don't really like, this is just a very niche thing. Contemporary Christian music is not my favorite genre. It never will be. It's just not. I grew yeah. up on gospel. I grew up on, like, hymns. I love hymns. I love the, like, hymns are beautiful. I love, I like modern renditions of hymns, of course, but, like, I didn't grow up on K-Love-type music, yeah. so it's just not going to move. The words are beautiful, but it's not, like, my thing. But when worship, when everyone's falling out in tears, I'm starting to compare, like, oh, yeah. like, am I not what god like is god not moving to me am i like check and you can start to compare yourself and then you're putting that salvation right back into your hands of yeah oh i'm not like no it's the holy spirit moving and sometimes mm-hmm. he moves in different ways different people um so i just think that when you're looking at what it means to be i'm more on the self-righteous side right now than yeah. being set apart but the self-righteousness piece it really does come down, and it can be based on insecurity or pride but it comes down to really checking where your heart's at and why you feel the way you feel and then comparing that to the scripture as well um, for me, at least. I think also what you said earlier about the judgment thing, that's another side of self-righteousness where it's not so much about like what I'm doing, but it's about what other people are doing where you're like, oh, they did that. Well, I don't do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm better than them. And sometimes I think that can be about somebody else. But a lot of times also, I think it could be insecurity of like, there's something they do that you don't do that you want. Mm. Or something they do convicts you and you're like, oh, I need to like put them down because I feel bad about myself for doing this thing. Yeah, that's true. I think it also, vis- the hierarchy of sins, like the visible mm-hmm. sins that we yeah. can see also play a role into this because a lot of times it's really easy to try to take a speck out of someone else's eye without removing our own log because sometimes the sins that 
the sins that a lot of Christians struggle with are behind closed doors, mm-hmm. not because it's just like such a closeted sin, but that's kind of the nature of being a Christian. Like, yeah. you want to appear, you have it all together. Why would I be like openly like, oh, yeah, like I gossip all the time, 25, 8. Can't like, like, why would you be like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things where you, the nature of being a Christian sometimes can feel not guarded, but this, not a front either, but this desire yeah. to l- appear that you have it all mm-hmm. together. And so, when people don't very visibly have it all together, then you look at them like, oh, okay, well, you know, and I, I catch myself doing it a lot or saying it a lot when my parents are getting my nerves and they're saying, like, critiquing me on something. I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not out here drunk. I'm not pregnant. Yeah. I'm not on drugs. And I'm like, okay, that's great, Kendall. There are still so many other things that you struggle with equivalent value. You just, yeah. no one can see it, right? Yeah. So that's something as well where, because it is just such an outward based thing looking at other people's sins for comparison it's really easy to see if it makes us feel better or worse about ourselves because there it's more visible than mm-hmm. what we're going through which is a little bit more guarded um for ourselves yeah that's a good point yeah i also like the scripture um from amos is 3 3 where it says how can two people walk together without agreeing on the destination and i'm transitioning this to them being more set apart mm-hmm. Of course, as Christians, we're called to be in the world and of the world. So you should act different. I'm not saying that self-righteous people, like, in a sense, you should act different in the world. And if no one can tell you're a Christian, it's a problem because you should be singing the glory of God. You should be, you know, declaring his praises and you should be seeking really to be a light on, again, the city on the hill that can't Mm -hmm. be hidden. Like, what's the point of having the light if you dim it? But I think it also comes down to when you're being set apart, understanding, like, you should be in the world, but not of the world. But then how do you maximize your time in the world? Being set apart, you should want others to then join you in being set apart and to then um, be sanctified as well on that walk with you. And I think that you can't invite others on the walk with Christ and to witness to them if you don't even know where Christ is walking to. And so it kind of goes back to seeing like, okay, God, I'm set apart. We all have this purpose over our lives. What is the purpose? Seeking him and his will over your life understanding what he has set you apart for again there's just like a whole there's a purpose in why he's doing Mm -hmm. it what is it for and i think that it goes back to that scripture in amos like how can you say you're walking with christ if you don't know where he's going yeah you don't know the direction that he's going and so i think it's really important too to just seek him and to say like god i know you want me set apart i know you want me to be um different than my friends or especially in college you know the obstacles we face can you show me why and then he does in his word and then can you also show me where you're taking me with this? Mm-hmm. And he'll reveal to you. He might not show you like the 100-year plan of, oh, my goodness, Kendall's grandchild, great-grandchild she never met will become a Christian because of the testimony yeah. to her, whatever. But he will show you where you're going. He'll show you the promise. Land. He showed the promise land to the Israelites. It just took him 40 years yeah. to get there. I think also when you are living set apart and you are going to run into situations where you meet somebody or you're in a group or you're in a class where things are presented that you don't agree with, I think something I'm learning right now is to be more encouraging than discouraging rather than like tearing someone down or like trying to dismantle something, responding rather like in positive or like bringing up things that you believe in rather than like fighting. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think there's more power in that. That is, and it's kind of countercultural. We do live in a culture and we always have for the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. It's just to dismiss what we don't know or reject what we don't know. And that's not to say, again, we know what is like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But mm-hmm. I think that it really does, that is countercultural to really engage with other ideas in a way that's respectful. I'm not saying entertain everything right. by no means. But to be that, again, I guess a light in mm-hmm. the sense of, oh, that's a great point. I never thought of it that way. I believe. Yeah. And then you, you know, 
packaging. It's not how, what you say, but it's really how you yeah. say it. And that's not really the culture of college campuses for sure. Also not the uh, culture of today in the age of polarization of social media, of everyone having just this think piece of, oh, I have a stage now on a platform with my 100 followers. Let me just go and whatever. Mm-hmm. And we all do it in a sense, but I think it really is the culture to be so to reject everything that's not what you believe or what you stand in to a point where it's almost dismissive and it kind of closes the door to anyone ever being able to, again, join you on that walk with Christ. Yeah. And it's kind of harmful in a sense. Um, yeah. I'm speaking very ambiguously because I'm just struggling to think of an actual mm-hmm. example, but I do think it's harmful. This is an example. It doesn't really have anything to do with like Christianity, but I'm in this class and it's a history class, but there's this one guy in there and he likes to take like the opposing stance to everything. Like he. Oh, devil's advocate. Yes. And I'm usually all for that. Like if you, you wanna, like a devil's advocate. Well, I like when people question things and like, hey, let's think about it a different way. But he has made the mistake of being very like short and like kind of abrasive and just very not open. And it's it's really off putting. It makes people not want to talk. And mm-hmm. it's he cuts people off like you know what i'm saying like you have to be aware of how you're engaging with people you really do it's there's no you really do especially because what class is this it's like a history of africa yeah (laughs) so okay yeah no no it wasn't a laugh it's just like a class that again offers nuanced perspectives to them i'm thinking like if this is like a class where it's like it requires shortness than short, but like in a class like that where it does require, or in general, I guess to a broader sense, topics that require a nuanced perspective mm-hmm. or to be able to see other views, to be short and abrasive just kind of, like you said, kills the vibe, not vibe, mm-hmm. but it kills all chance of discourse or conversation, yeah. which is something I'm ca- not passionate about, but I've been kind of exploring. If you go to UNC, I, ho- I host an event series called Food for Thought, and mm-hmm. we kind of try to explore like discourse or in general like that in between of engaging with ideas and there's so many things that i used to think that i don't think now anymore um and i not that this is not religious again but in general like different concepts of things societally or politically or historically or whatever where my mind has been changed and seeing how i once used to think one way and now i can think another way is the same way we should view everyone and we're Mm -hmm. like in our conversations of thinking about like okay like there is some merit to how they came to that conclusion. I might not agree with where their what their stance is on something, but they obviously came to this in a way that was logical to them. What were the steps they got to get there? Like understanding people's thought process and how they got from point A to point B will help you understand so much about then like what you believe. It kind of strengthen what you're what you believe, but also can help you to see things from their perspective too. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like class guy does not have. The, they there's room for growth for them too. Like just as there's room for growth for you, there's nobody that's too far gone that you can't have a conversation with them even if nothing changes in the moment yeah planting seeds yeah this also can apply then to christian sense of discourse or disagreements from the church i'm reading mm-hmm. acts right now because 28 chapters 28 days in february and we just finished Stephen, so we haven't really gotten to a ton of discourse in the church um but there is so many different topics that christians debate mm-hmm. on which is a, a point of self-righteousness too it's the topic of do i drink at all or do i not drink it's a topic of should christians just all vote this way or not this way should christians singleness or not like whatever it is there's just so many different issues within christianity that it just feels like it is suffocating mm-hmm. there's no right answer there's no because it's just like everything is so self-righteous and it then again doesn't allow that conversation of like, oh, okay, I used to think this way and now I think this Which way. Which is unfortunate because those are actually really important issues that, I mean, affect people. Yeah. 
So it would be better. If and they're could... not salvation issues. Yeah. A lot of times we really do put certain things, we make it so much more serious than it has to be. Not that things aren't serious, but um, Ali Yard talks about this a lot. Like well, a lot of times she'll go into conversation and she's like, oh, wait, that's not a salvation issue. Though. If we disagree, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't think we reach that point in society or like in general where we're okay with disagreeing all the time. I think it does sometimes feel like it's conversion nonstop. Yeah. Or like conversations like Halloween with, Halloween with Christians. Oh, that's the I worst. know how I stand, you know, and I know other people yeah. feel on it. But it's just so off-putting to even have the conversation. Really I dread Halloween. I hate, yeah, Instagram in October. It's just the worst because everything worst. is just this constant back and forth. And no one's bringing anything productive to the conversation. It's just a liquid eye. And that's do. the thing. Like we said earlier, I might even agree with you. But it's just the way that <laughs> it's it's, the like, way it is. makes. I'm like, no. <laughs> then you make me want to disagree. You're like, yeah. you know what? Shut up. I actually, that's so real. And it, <laughs> it's literally the way you go about it. It's like, not you. Mm -hmm. You as in the hypothetical. Yeah. So like, people go about it. It's just like, oh, my. As soon as I see a post, I'm like, all right. I'm off. I yeah. kind of had to mute Christian accounts because yeah. it just became like, can I breathe? And then Christmas is now a debate because Christmas is apparently paid. I'm like, everything is a debate. everything is a debate. And sometimes it's like, are we really actually doing this because we want to glorify God? Like, yeah. well, and you... it's different if you like. There's nothing wrong with having convictions about doing certain no, absolutely. things. It's which I, I think most people know. It's just like the the broader like having to insert yourself in every conversation mm -hmm. about it. That's another one. I know we don't have endless time. I'm going to wrap this up. But the need for everyone to respond to everything has got to go. Yeah. This is kind of shifted from the topic, but I don't care. Mm -hmm. The need for everyone to respond okay. to everything possible. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. You shouldn't dignify every little thing with the response. And I think a lot of times you give things way more uh, credit or like space in your life when you do respond to it. Mm -hmm. Where not everything requires my thoughts. Not, you know, yeah. on social media, I really try to avoid anything serious from my page personally. Not serious, but... Not everything requires my opinion on it. Mm -hmm. The world doesn't need to hear my opinion on um, the Nevada primary last night. It just yeah. doesn't. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to contribute anything productive, so what do I need to add it to? Yeah. I think that also can go into real life, too. I've Something I've been, like, not wrestling with, just thinking about a lot is when do I need to respond to someone doing something or when should I just let God work on their heart? Mm -hmm. Like, I should – I heard somebody say this, like, they – had a something they dis disagreed with with a sibling and they really wanted to like go and tell them about it they're like no i'm gonna take 24 hours pray about it and see mm. what happens and the next day their sister like was convicted to not do the thing they'd been doing and it's like what if we allowed them to have that moment with god of god teaching them rather than us nagging or mm -hmm. you know being on their backs about something and there's also always a room and it's biblical to like go to people about sin but being slower slower to assume and like jump on people it's slower and especially when you don't understand the context of what brought mm -hmm. them to that decision we don't do anything kind of thoughtlessly yeah there's never a point in time where i'm just going to commit a sin because i didn't just because i wanted to commit the sin a lot of yeah. times it really does come back to like even if i'm not even aware of it there's some different things that go into it of us slipping up and falling we're yeah. like you don't know what brings people oh geez sorry i hit my head <laughs> what brings people to that point and then when you said response, it literally was triggering a thought and I forgot. And now I'm really oh, mad because no. it was going to be something I thought you were going to talk about. But now I'm blanking. What I just said? You just said it. Sibling response, 24 hours. It was literally going to bring you a whole – I was going to have to oh, do a question and now I forgot. That's so sad. I'm heated. Okay, go on to your third – your last I point. I don't have another point. No point. We already talked about it. No, I'm really getting frustrated. <laughs> point. Oh, my goodness. Let me look at my notes, y'all. Can – those at home, tell me what I was trying to think. It was Response. a good question to That's leave so you sad. all with. I hate when that happens. What? What? I don't know what it was. Sorry, y'all. Okay. Take away. Oh, move in silence. It wasn't that serious. I think that <laughs> it wasn't a question either. 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that my final point in general, all this comes back when heart posture, great, all that stuff. Your 24 hour comment made me think about it of also living self-righteously versus set apart is the volume in which you do it. I think it, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but I think that when God actually calls you apart or sets you apart, for the purpose it's not a really visible thing mm. for everyone not everyone like you move in silence i hate to like use the slang term but it really doesn't require a whole That's bunch so of look true. at me look at me and a lot of times you kind of want that isolation you know right. like you want it to be you and him in that secret place yeah it doesn't require a whole bunch of going out to the hilltops when everyone like posting like hey guys i'm being set apart right now like <laughs> sorry i can't go to party with you i mean so like it doesn't require That's all that so true. in a way that living self-righteously what's the point of living self-righteously if no one can see it you're not really being like this That's there's so no true. point so it has to be kind of this broader like oh look at me uh -huh. thing i don't know how I got i'm it. glad you remember that because that was good <laughs> it was a question that was, gonna, that was gonna fall into that but i forgot yeah, like to make it more of a conversation but yeah anyways guys love you all so much <laughs>